0: And Let me just start by downing mine. this bottle of red wine. Should all acquaintance be forgot and days of old
1: length? Oh. Let's
0: go. Oh.
1: King of the castle. 420 p.m. on a Thursday. On a Thursday!
2: Thursday. Thursday. Hey! Alright, yeah. what's going on, everybody? <laughs> Episode 120, the podcast where we don't give a fuck. Is that how we're hoping? (laughs) Um, Welcome to the end of the year episode. Uh, (laughs) Brandon still gives fucks, that's good for him. Um, Brandon, uh, how is Camp Snoopy?
0: It's being revitalized.
2: Yes, I saw that in the newspaper this morning. Um, The
0: newspaper?
2: Yes. Sorry, I still read the print.
0: Is that weird? Okay. No, I I think it is. I don't know how you get it. Do they toss it Uh, over your ivory fence in that? That that paper boy's got a good arm. All right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) He makes the whole driveway right to my front step. Um. So that's what's new with you, Brandon. That's cool. (laughs) Chris, um, you had tacos for lunch today. How were they?
1: They were delicious. I, uh, I've uh, anyone listening who is uh, new to Mexican food, relatively new to Mexican food, like me. Uh, <laughs> I'm big, big fan of beer, Brandon. There is no Mexican food in fucking Hong Kong.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Mexican and Mediterranean. Brandon forgot this is not, a worldwide not podcast, All
2: right, yeah, this is worldwide.
0: I forget sometimes. There's no Mexican
2: yeah. food in Japan either. That's what they they had every other cuisine except for Mexican food, and that blew my mind. You know, so yeah. Well, what what did you get? You got the, the Berea
1: tacos. Bir- yeah, Birria. I love biria. It's so good. Um, yeah, they were delicious. Uh, yeah, been pretty chill day today. Just uh, that laundry, some organizing stuff, and yeah. Nothing crazy,
0: Chris. You need to go to uh, Del Taco and get their birria ramen.
2: Shut up, man.
1: I, I've I've heard of this of this fabled birria ramen from Del Taco. <laughs> uh, Brandon's favorite Mexican food is I, Del Taco. I I'm, it, it is. It it is not. I am certainly curious.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So it's as you can tell, it's been pretty chill for all of us today. Yeah, um, it's lovely,
0: lovely day. And.
2: Uh, it's been a pretty chill year, twenty twenty three. Just kidding. It hasn't, at least for me. But um, we've had some good movies, right?
0: I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What? We, okay. What would you guys like? How How would you comp the year of twenty twenty three to other years we've had in
0: cinema history? Is
2: there any like? Are, is there any like, good vibes that you can like compare it to in terms yes. of releases? Yeah. Yes. Tell me.
0: 2017
2: really but
0: really but i'm saying 2017 was extremely top heavy um like the the good films are great and then the good films which there have been plentiful of you know uh like make up the majority because this year i mean i don't know about you guys but i really haven't been out to the theaters as much I think right. I've only seen 64 2023 releases as of this recording, which is probably like 30 or 40 less than I'm used to seeing.
2: Damn. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty low, too. I'm at 77. I, I feel like around December, I, I hit 100, you know?
0: Maybe it's like, one, because all the award season movies come out later in the year. Yeah. But also, I think we're starting to see, uh, I mean, maybe it's just us managing our time better. We're not, we're picking and choosing the movies we go to see. That's true. A little bit better. I used to like, I Like, back when we
2: were in college, we used to see everything.
0: Like, everything. Like, two movies a week, every Thursday.
2: We'd use that A-list right up, you know? Yeah. We'd eat that shit Mm -hmm. up. But, nowadays, you know, we have, we, we got, we got, we now have better things to do. (laughs) You know? We have better ways to spend our adult lives, you know? Um, but I guess we can use this as a point to talk about films that we haven't seen yet, you know? Uh, I know, Chris, you have sort of uh, compiled up a list. I feel like we should talk about these out of the way so nobody who's listening to this episode is really, you know, waiting for these movies to be talked about, you know? So maybe we can get these, uh, these 2023 blind spots out of the way before we get into the real meat of the episode, you know? So, Chris, do you want to share some... Uh, some of the releases that you've missed that may not be talked about
1: on this show? Sure. Uh, okay, I'm just going to rattle off the ones that like are noteworthy, because like there's a bunch that are just like, oh, okay. like I, I didn't see Wish, for example, but yeah. I thought that would leave a big impression I, on me I you. ain't seeing
2: it,
1: yeah. Uh, okay, but just to rattle off a few, at least ones that I do n- I do not currently have plans to see. Um, that might change, but we'll see. Uh, Monster, Dream Scenario, um, Leave the World Behind, zone of interest migration (laughs) Uh, the iron claw all of us strangers i'm actually quite excited for that movie um ferrari killer and maestro um i have plans to see godzilla on wednesday with ethan yes i might go see poor things on sunday with Ange. um so we'll see but uh yeah that's pretty much it it's uh relatively slow rest of the year there's a few little nuggets in there but uh there's nothing that's making me go like "Ooh, like that's that's a big one
2: yeah um i got a list too uh these are movies you won't see me talking about but i am still super excited to see them and i will uh i hope to have seen all these by the end of this year uh these are like the top of my list for december uh still haven't seen the killer um I don't know why I have been holding out on that. It's on Netflix. I can watch whenever I want. Maybe it's because I'm like bummed that I missed like seeing in the theater, you know. Um, the f- Someone is making a ruckus in the kitchen. Sorry about that, folks. Um, Poor things. I'll probably see that uh, sometime next weekend because it comes out. Uh, American Fiction. Looking forward to that one. Uh, Rebel Moon. Zack Snyder's new movie. I'm just like curious to see what the hell that is, you know. Um, Monster, like you said, Ferrari, like you said, Meister, like you said, um, Perfect Days. Have you guys seen the trailer for that? Uh, the Wim Wenders. Wenders movie. Yeah, yeah, that looks really good. Uh, I really want to see that. And then, of course, um, Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom. I am just. Yeah. In. I'm gonna get high as a kite. Oh my! I'm gonna bring my snorkel gear, my swim trunks. I am ready to get wet in the ocean. And explore the Lost Kingdom, hang out with my boy Black Mana. Those are the ones that you won't see me talking because maybe maybe I'll, you know, see him and I'll be like, damn, that was actually one of the best movies of the year I should have talked about in this episode. Maybe an episode down the line we can shout him back out again, you know. Uh, Bran, do you have any big blind spots that you will will be missing out out on this year? Or this episode um, I should say?
0: Well, yeah, on this episode I do. Um Uh, I would say the movie uh wait does that come out this year no it doesn't never mind um iron claw uh it's getting a lot of good buzz for the performances in that movie uh i'm really looking oh, forward it's Ironclaw, of course yeah sorry uh, about that no you're good ferrari i mean i'm not a big michael mann fan but i've heard some pretty good things about that one uh to do uh color purple i'm actually looking forward to that movie to see what it's like exactly because i i really don't have an idea of what to expect
2: me too because i really like the original and i'm still trying and it still holds up Mm -hmm. you know so i'm still trying to see in the point of why this is being remade right you know i mean spielberg's producing it um it's now a bit more of a musical than it is, you know. So uh-huh. I'm curious, but it's not like you know, I'm not at the edge of my seat to go see that, you know. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Uh Zone of Interest? Uh yes. leave the world behind. Uh-huh. Uh, whoops, one sec.
2: The police, the police have shown up to Brand's house. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. let yeah. it run. Let just let it run. Okay. Yeah. We're a, we're a behind. hardcore podcast like that. If we get arrested mid-episode, who cares?
0: Uh, Ernest and Celestine 2. really like the first one of that movie. Oh. Uh, Rustin, I, I'd really like to see.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and there's a new Michelle Gondry movie that came out called The Book of Solutions.
2: What? Huh? Are you serious? <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, Chevalier. Chevalier. I missed that earlier in the year. Uh, but in as far as what's coming out, I think Wonka, The Boy and the Heron, which I'm seeing on Wednesday next week, uh, The Killer, and then my top two are Napoleon and Poor Things. Dude, which,
2: I'm, really, I'm really curious to see what you think of Boy and the
0: Heron. Yeah?
2: Yeah, it's been, I don't know. So, I mean, for those of you who don't know. Uh, I went to the premiere of The Boy and the Heron in Japan on July fourteenth. And I went I went, I yeeted, I saw the movie, even though there was no English subtitles. And I watched it not knowing what they were saying. And I thought the movie was fantastic. You know? Just trying to like piece together what was going on in the movie and everything. I had a really fun time doing that and I think the movie's beautiful to look at at least. And so I was like, I was really excited to see, to rewatch it again. Um, So when it came out this past week, uh, I went and saw the dub and I wasn't a fan, which is weird. And I, it's, it's a weird ass feeling because I'm watching a movie that I used to really like, but now the characters are like speaking and they're explaining the world and the, the, it just makes less sense to me. I don't know. I am curious to see what you think, Brandon. But like, and Chris, you you really like you you enjoyed it, right?
1: I gave it four, which gave is it four. Relo- funnily enough, relatively high. Yeah. Oddly enough.
2: But no, but everyone's praising this film. They're saying it's one of the best movies of the year.
1: And uh, okay, I wouldn't say that, but yeah, it's a four. It's a yeah. it's a it's a good four.
2: And I wouldn't even say it's even close to Miyazaki's like best of all time because it's like, I just found the world the building to be a little sloppy i don't know
0: i maybe it's because i mean it's again his last movie even though he's announced he's working on another one
1: (laughs) yeah that's a lie
0: yeah but people are being kinder to it because it could be i mean the guy's getting up there in age so it's not like
2: we don't get these all that often we get a Miyazaki film every 10 years.
0: Let alone a 2D, complete 2D movie. Not just yeah. 2D without hand-drawn. 3D integration. Yeah, it's,
2: there's, it's not digital. It's a hand-drawn 2D animated film that looks gorgeous. So, like, at, in that aspect, I get why people are so excited. But I'm curious to see how this film will age. Because I feel like... Uh, I understand what Miyazaki is saying in The Boy and the Heron about his career and being an artist and... Uh, like, uh, the cycles of life, the life and death of a creator, you know what I mean? But, and and accepting loss through that as being a creator as well, um, but I just feel like the world building, I feel like the worlds of Miyazaki's films are always so intricate and, uh, whimsical, but the way they explain it in The Boy and the Hair and I just found to be very, um, it's, like, presumptuous. That's, like, the one word I can think of. Like, they they talk about things that don't make sense at all as if, like, we would understand it, you know? And I wonder if that's, like, a, just a... Uh, if that's just the dub that's doing that? But I don't know. Okay.
0: I mean, it was nominated for the National Board of Review's Top Ten of the Year. Yeah. Which is hard to crack because... The MBR is, like, not really, like, a international-centric awards place. It's like the AFI. They're big into, like, American features only. So the fact that it made it is kind of surprising.
2: Yeah. Well, Which
0: makes me think it could get some Oscar buzz coming up here. I mean, obviously, it's going to get animated feature, but...
2: If it gets animated feature, I'll be more than okay with that. Because I still, like, I still have a soft spot for this film just because of, like my experience with it, you know. Um, so if it wins all the awards, that's fine. But it just... It was just really surprising to me how different I felt about it the third time I saw it. it it's a weird feeling, you know. I That hasn't really happened to me with a film before. Um, uh, but yeah. Okay, let's start talking about actual Best of the Year. Because this was... A, I, I gotta say, this... 2023 was amazing in terms of movies. Personally, I am so shocked how many four and a halfs I gave. I gave out 19 four and a halfs or higher to films this year. I ate I ate this shit up, okay?
0: I had um, less.
1: I had five. Five? I
2: had Damn, okay, well...
1: I've only know, had one five star.
2: I had four five stars.
1: I so. also have
0: four five stars. Four,
2: okay. Well, let's, you know, so now it's not, This is it's a new year, it's a new format that we've done this best of the year. I feel like we should talk about um, sort of like different types of movies that we love this year that are the best. I want to talk about everyone's biggest surprise. Ooh. Was there a film that just blew you, like that was such a surprise to you that you were like, that was one of the best movies of the year and I did not see that coming. Well. Does anybody have a film like that they want to start with?
1: i have one that's like uh it i mean it wasn't my favorite it's i think i really i it's my third favorite of the year and um i had a feeling i would like it i didn't expect that i would love it the way i did right um this one was kind of an odyssey for me uh my first film i want to talk about is priscilla
2: oh say less bro let's get into it
1: i was very surprised with this um for anyone who doesn't know, uh, I've had an interesting journey with Sofia Coppola as a director. I've only seen two of her films thus far. Um, when I say journey, it's short, short journey, I guess. Um, so I had, I had heard nothing but amazing, amazing things about loss in Translation*. Ethan had been t- had been talking it up for a while, um, and you know, it seemed like you know, in terms of subject wise and visually, and you know, all, all that good stuff, you know, seems really in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched it. I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I, I, I I don't know. I guess I didn't connect to it as much as I thought I would. Understood. Um Not But natural. I, yeah. But I still like found like um, the standouts nonetheless in that film for me was Coppola's direction. And you know, considering she is a Coppola, you know that's big shoes to fill. Um. So you know, for a while I was like, okay, she she knows her stuff, but I haven't been like wowed by her yet i've heard great things about virgin suicides and mary antoinette um and i know she has many i know she has some other films too but um i haven't really looked into them uh and then i got news that priscilla was coming out um movie about uh elvis's wife um and i went kind of on a whim uh just because i had some time to kill at the mall and uh yeah i was i was really taken aback by this movie um I was very impressed by how quickly you feel gripped by Coppola's direction, even just like the detailing in her inserts and the femininity that comes through in even the most simple of images or yeah. moments or yeah. themes it's it all feels very cohesive to me um and what she accomplishes is a really fascinating like emotional portrait of this person um kind of going through like this kind of um loveless, emotionally manipulative marriage. And the thing I I found most fascinating about this movie, more than anything, um, is that the movie isn't so much like a, you know, by the end of the film, you're not really in a position of like, oh, like, Priscilla, like, claim your liberty back, you know? Like, it's not like a woo! at the end for her to be like, <laughs> fuck you, Elvis, and then she dips, you know? It's not like that. Yeah. It's yeah. much more emotionally mature, because it treats her as as a person and someone who is going through like a loveless marriage to someone who's, there's no way around it, kind of a dick. Uh, and yeah. yeah, you know, I'm, I, I was floored by it. I thought that was really well done. It's so sensitive, but also kind of confrontational at the same time too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought Jacob Elordi was amazing in, in this role. I think he's, right? He's I mean, he's a, he's a star, but he's gonna be a star one day you know i I think he just needs to find that role and it'll come eventually um the actress who plays priscilla's amazing kaylee spainy spain yeah whatever she doesn't get talked about enough
2: everyone's talking about jacob lori as elvis but it's fucking priscilla's movie man she needs to be front and center and kaylee Spaney does it amazing the the amount of resiliency that she conveys as priscilla you know just like dealing with all this abusive behavior and fame and riches you know it's like and how she has to like she composes herself yet you know that there's so much emotion boiling inside her yeah it's fantastic i hope she gets nominated for oscars because of it you know i think
1: yeah i hope so too i think and i also think like just as a whole yeah i i have i'm worried she won't but i would love it if she does it's too packed this year um yeah, this is a tough year for for I mean acting. I think this
2: year is pretty tough. Great, ins- insane performances this year. Got
0: Priscilla's it. gonna get zero nominations at the Oscars.
2: No, don't say that.
1: No, I'm going to. No, it, I want it. For, no, I, no, I want it at least for costumes. I think it should. It deserves costumes.
2: It, oh, costumes! Hair but I. makeup? But this, makeup, but this year's. Come on.
1: This year's also tough for all of that too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> This is a tough year. Dude, it's like, it's, so much shit came out this year.
2: The Oscar noms this year are going to be an event. I can't wait. I can't wait. Sure. Brandon, you should come over to watch them.
0: The <laughs> Oscar noms? There won't be traffic. There won't be traffic. Just drive <laughs> on they're up. All there. You know, it's going to be like they're at 5 a... a.m.
2: in the morning. Come on.
0: Can we just do the Discord thing again like last year? Or you could sleep over. Oh, I could do that. You could sleep over. That's it. It's going to be next month. I think. Is it is it January? I'm pretty sure it's yeah, like late you're right. January. Because yeah. it was
2: January last year.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: we all woke up together.
0: And we live streamed it together. Except yeah. for Chris. I was sleeping. He was sleeping.
2: Us. He can still sleep, but he, he just has to know that's what's going to be going on downstairs. I, house, you know? I
0: liked Priscilla. I just didn't love it as much as you guys did.
1: That's fair enough, too.
0: I think it's like... Oh my gosh, sorry. Is there,
2: oh, do you have like a dog? What? Yeah, go tell him to shut up.
0: <laughs> sorry. I thought I'd let some cool air in and it's never... And you a... let
2: in a yapping dog instead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but when it comes to that film, I just think it's got a great message. But honestly, it's the execution by Sofia Coppola that deserves the most credit here. I don't think it's... I think, honestly, the writing is quite bad at times. Uh, like, I found it to be sort of laughable at times. And then at other times, I'm like, wow, this is incredibly subtle. But the balance tonally is like, it's not as out there as the Baz Luhrmann Elvis from last year. But it's it's there still. It's kind of kooky. And I think that's like the quirky style of Coppola. that's just, uh, that's Elvis. Like you, that's Elvis and can't... Coppola,
2: you can't be kooky.
0: I know, God but else, you know? but at the on the same token, it just feels sort of odd still. And oh, he's drinking. Oh, he's drinking more wine straight out of I the bottle. I got
2: bottom. something to say. I got something to say. But Uh-oh.
0: keep going. Um and I, I think the performances are good. I think Jacob Lordy and Kaylee Spanny are very good. Uh but it's like I never I never quite believed her like love affair but i also thought it was extremely interesting because in the era uh, that we're living in with hollywood and stuff like that and seeing uh basically a man who is worshipped by a bunch of teenage girls go after just like a normal teenage girl it makes you think about like what it would be like for a pop star or somebody who's like famous in the teen community to go after you can't say no or i mean yeah. you you should but you can
2: it's like the golden ticket
0: yeah yeah it's like
1: the it's like you you know that power dynamic right and Mm -hmm. that's that's fucked up that's the uh, that's the
0: best part of the movie because i think it nails that in a way that i don't think i've ever seen another movie do right
1: yeah yeah because like you know when you're watching the movie right like when i mean i remember when he when he when elvis first kisses priscilla at that was it like the second date they go on or whatever it's not really like when i watch it
0: his, isn't it his what, house what, yeah he part literally party. just
1: comes she she comes over yeah and like she they kiss and i remember just be like oh gross yeah but like at the same time if you put yourself in the shoes of this girl who's deeply infatuated with the biggest star in the world at the time yeah it's great like i don't like i don't blame her but it's it's like oh that. You, like you you imagine, dumb kid. imagine yeah. if
2: your celebrity crush in high school, like, just showed up and was like, "I want you," like, what the fuck would you do, you know? Right. And you're seventeen. Yeah, years as old, a kid,
1: as a kid, you're gonna go you're along like, with it. You probably Hell would, yeah,
2: you know. And but yeah. this shit's gonna like fuck with you for the rest of your life, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, and I, and like, I mean, I, I granted, like I said, I haven't seen many of her other films, but. Like man, I can tell Coppola is like, the, like feminist director with a capital F. Yeah, and like it works but, amazingly in her in her field. Oh.
2: Chris, we we're gonna watch Virgin Suicides. We're gonna watch it's very Mary good. Antoinette. Like it's very that, good. she she goes back to her, those two, like specifically those two films with Priscilla, in terms of mm. like she's I think what makes. Sophia Coppola work as uh, a feminist director is how she, like I talked about, um, she is able to talk about the power of resiliency in women and what mm. they have to like put up with in their mm. life and the way she conveys that with like her films are very yeah quiet put together you know but they're very but it's also very. Uh, the situations are very toxic that these characters are in, but it's still in, like, a very Mm -hmm. quiet setting, you know? And she always is able to convey such intense emotions boiling beneath the surface of each frame of these women, of what they're going through, you know? Um, And the way she, like, does that with, like, the use of color... Uh, I want this movie to win a cinematography (laughs) award. Like, I... I I mean, I don't think it'll win. I don't think it'll win. I want to be nominated <laughs> because, like, I just love the way this film is shot. It starts out very, uh, it's the, the the lighting's used with very pastels, you know? And as, like, she gets more corrupted and more groomed by Elvis, things get a lot yeah. more muted and grayed, you know? If you watch that as the film goes on, it's just like, oh, it's so brilliant. Um, Sofia Coppola, she's probably top five directors for me. I love her to death. Um, so I'm glad we're talking about this movie because it, uh, it wasn't a surprise for me because I knew, I knew she had that in her, you know, and it met my expectations.
0: Um, but I'm glad we got to talk better. about her. It. it was better like, than I expected. Yeah. Cause so. I'm not the biggest Coppola fan, but I do, I, I do recognize like she has a lot to say subtextually and I wish there were other filmmakers who would learn from that in making films, especially about this subject matter. Yes, makes it more compelling to me. But absolutely,
2: um, Brandon, do you want to talk about a surprise film?
0: Yeah, I mean, nobody else liked it. But, oh, uh, I didn't Inside hate it with Willem Dafoe. I, I, I liked
2: it. No, I liked it. I liked it, and I, I honestly like it more because you love it.
0: Evelyn you know? and I loved it. Okay, yeah, we. We went to the theater. We knew w- we both like Willem Dafoe. He's a crazy, kooky guy. Yeah, he is the best. He's the best. I mean, who doesn't? He, he's he got such great range. You know, you can see him in, like, a comedy, like a Wes Anderson movie, or see him in a more normal role, I guess, with The Florida Project. But then he does Light stuff, out. like, <laughs> a show like that, yeah. Inside, where essentially he... Yeah, he's pushed to the limits because of, like, psychological torture, essentially, right? Right. And uh i just i love movies everybody knows this about me if you know me personally like i love films that are set in Mm. one location yes and force the director and the audience to get creative with how a they analyze the film analyze the words of the film or analyze the situation because often when they're trapped like that it's you're trying to find the solution to a problem whether that be you're escaping a situation or in like in this case, or uh, maybe to solve something beyond uh, just a regular, like, Oh, I'm trapped. It's, it's more about the situation between two people, but with him, it's a one hand show. He's like basically the only actor in this movie. And you're trying to see him survive and find ways to escape. And he goes through all these cycles of like grief, despair, despair, loneliness and it's it's super powerful and yes it's at times gross and i can say it maybe is slightly too long but i could have stayed in that world like for hours just seeing him try to figure out his way through the situation but it also felt very sisyphean like kind of like a greek epic like this guy's trying to escape and then he just keeps getting pushed back at every turn like he's
2: trying to ascend to the level of the gods
0: yeah. And does he? In mm-hmm. my opinion, yes. But <laughs> you, think he, you think he
2: made it? You think he made it?
0: Yeah, of course. Or he died, and that was his view of the afterlife. It could have been. But, yeah, I... I love that movie.
2: There's a certain genre of Willem Dafoe movies, I've noticed, where I'm, like, I'm lukewarm on it the first time I watch it, but the more I think about it, the more it sticks with me. And... It's at Eternity's Gate and At Eternity's Gate, both about art, also mm. because yes. I, I to be honest, like I have not stopped thinking about this movie's discussion with art. You know, I think that, that has stuck with me the whole year. Of, you know, he says like people die, cats die, but art persists. Art, yeah. You know, I love movies that talk about art as something is. The closest we can get to immortality, you know. That's why I love Babylon so much, you know. Mm. Um, Mm. And the way this uh, movie—I'm gonna have to rewatch it because now I'm like I'm 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 breaking. I have the Blu-ray, so I can lend it to you. Yeah. Okay, because I'm 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 breaking it down. I'm like it's like it's an allegory for like humans discovering art. I feel. You know, like in the the dawn of man or something. You know, because it's about he's trapped in this space. Humans were trapped in this routine of survive. You know, but once, um, once Willem Dafoe gets into sort of the groove of things, you know, he's he figures out how to survive in this apartment. You know,
0: but then uh, he's bored.
2: But then he's bored. So what does he do? He creates art. And then from art, he creates a religion. He creates his own little religion, doesn't he? Right? Yes, about he does. Es- and what is that a religion about? It's about escaping.
0: It's and not about escaping. What, it's about love. It's too. about
2: love, but it's about ascending. It's about getting up, you know? And, cause he, and and all the things he thinks he can have once he escapes, you know? And that's like, is that human history? Is that is that what happened to us, you know? Is that what... Once humans, like, achieved... Once we conquered the food chain and we are like, alright, we can, like... We've done all what we can do. What's what's next? Like, we can now do stuff that don't benefit our survival. And anything that doesn't benefit our survival is art, in my opinion. And I feel like that's what this movie talks about. And um, while I did find it to be a bit long at first, I feel like I gotta revisit it because... You know, uh, I've had a very existential year, uh, thinking a lot about stuff like this, um, and that that sort of uh, conversation that's explored in the movie Inside has stuck with me. You know, um, Chris, you're you're a very existential guy as well, but I know I feel I feel like we felt the same about no yeah inside when we both started,
1: um started I mean like, everything that you guys have been talking about so far I fully agree with I I really do love. The film. I mean, the the thing that earned its three stars for me is its um, its encapsulation of these existential ideas alongside its kind of commentary on art, its value to us as humans, and how you know what do we identify as art and what is and isn't, and all that stuff. Great, brilliant themes. I think. I mean, I think conceptually it's amazing. I think the thing for me that where it loses me a little bit is, I didn't. And this is also just me as a as a moviegoer, is that I tend to be like emotion is is what captures me as a film goer. And for me, Inside is less concerned right. with that, which is totally which is its own creative right. Yes. And as it's, and as it's meant film. to be. And it's and it totally, you know, that film well I kinda disagree. Is my with opinion. That. <laughs> Let it. Let him cook so, it for a second. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel myself empathizing with with the character or anything like that. I found myself grappling with it in the same way that I would like a lecture, which I which I think is, you know, a praise in its own way. But like for me, yeah, like I didn't find myself like emotionally gripped by it. Um, like if the movie ended one way or the other, it did. It wouldn't change very much about the film for me. The the for me the movies, like. Mm-hmm. The messaging of the film was more what captured me. Um, And for me, it it wasn't quite enough to earn anything more than the three stars that I gave it. And three stars is still good. It's a six out of ten. So, yeah, that's it. I don't know. I don't have too much to say about Inside.
2: That's above 50%. Yeah, no worries. What do you think, Brandon, in terms of emotion? What was the emotion that you pulled from it?
0: Devastation. Just because I don't think... I don't think it needs to be, like, this uplifting portrait of a man without love uh, in order to have emotion, right? I think a lot of people, and I'm not saying you do this, Chris, but I do think a lot of people would say, oh, like, if it has a positive emotional impact, that's when I'm more likely to remember something. Like, you know, the endorphins and serotonin you get when a story is satisfyingly and climactically told, you know? Look at the end of the Avengers saga. I mean, for any fan of that, uh, I think most people would remember that because of the last hour of that film being an outstanding culmination of 23 years of work, not only in terms of fan service, but in terms of narrative, right? Mm. Yes. And we all remember it. And we all love it pretty much with the exception of, you know, the, the haters out there who justifiably so hate on the conglomerate that is disney uh (laughs) but on the other hand i think a lot of people when they look at something and they they aren't satisfied necessarily by it and have this there's an ambiguity and a sadness over all of it i think we as humans had to tend to not grapple with those emotions whereas this film boldly in my opinion chooses to like take us through this guy's mental breakdown and essentially ter- it turns into hope because there's nothing else to turn to right and in that and that way i find it a really compelling uh, dissection of what it means to be like and have faith in something but also to lose everything at the same time and that that is emotional inherently for me and i i can understand it's very cold because it's very isolated and there's not a lot of changes in the setting because there can't be um but i would disagree that it lacks emotion maybe lacks connection is better well like i think
2: emotion's a very subjective thing
0: right right Mm -hmm. so
2: you know what i will say is um it has the best use of any radiohead song in a film probably outside of uh incendies by Denis villeneuve when they uh when they use pyramids on when the credits hit i i started tearing up i'm not gonna lie um, See. Okay. yeah um and uh outside of probably slumdog millionaire probably the most human feces i've ever yep. seen on screen as well
1: <laughs> that, that, that bathtub that's that crazy old, oh, that boy. big
2: old fancy bathtub <laughs> That could be a class
0: <laughs> message in of itself, you know.
2: It could. It could. All Better than Saltburn. High quality bath. Oh, don't. No, we are not talking about that movie on this episode. Better no, than
0: the entirety of Saltburn is that. We, that's,
2: that's the. Done. That's its a one. You get to say its title that many times. We're no longer talking about that movie. I don't want to hear it.
0: <laughs> anyway, Saltburn is my. <laughs> I just, no,
2: I told you. No more. Okay, um, <laughs> let me go for a little second about my biggest surprise i know neither of you two have seen this film and i really really encourage you two to check it out because i think you would both really like it um it is an italian film stay Mm -hmm. with me brandon um no it is the eight mountains um i'm out he's already out um
1: (laughs) that movie came out last year he's gone he's gone
2: um Technically, but it had a wide release. I don't go by your rules, Chris. I'm sorry because it had a wide I release. I also don't a, go by your rules. It came out in Italy <laughs> last year, like in the winter, but it came out in. All right, the let rest me pull up world. my twenty twenty two list then. All right, but then I can
1: I can um, dip
2: into this. <laughs> hey, I. know <if, laughs> it's
1: your, if rule, it's your Some rules. Some of us have Chris. to be consistent. Whatever, you...
2: it's it's your rules. <laughs> <laughs> what's,
0: <laughs> okay. that, what's that right. supposed to mean? Okay. What's that supposed to mean?
2: The eight mountains. Um, incredible film. I watched. I watched it in theaters in April of 2023. How could I call that a 2022 movie? Anyways, no, I watched it in June, June of 2023. Anyways, um, uh, it is an insane film that I feel like uh is perfect for. It's a very existential awakening for people both in their uh, early life crisis, i.e. Probably us in our mid twenties, you know, and uh, our late life crisis, in midlife crisis. Sorry, um, because it is about uh, these two kids. They grew up in an Italian. Uh, one kid, uh, he would spend the summers near the mountains in his like in this like uh, vacation home, and he'd hang out with this kid during the summers who lived on a farm in the uh, in the Alps in Italy, and um, it's sort of. Uh, talks about how these two kids grow up to become men and the different lives that they live. And um, it is an insanely powerful film about talking about how how should one live their life, you know? Um, and it brings up this insanely uh, poetic al- allegory or sort of lesson, uh, story of... The Eight Mountains. Um, And it's basically, it talks about how um, there's, I think it's Nepalesian culture. There's um, a story about a man who, in a world, uh, there's basically eight mountains. And um, hence the story, the name, The Eight Mountains. But one of the mountains is the highest mountain. And, uh, it's sort of, they pose a question of what is more of a satisfying life? Because, uh, in order to explore all eight mountains, that would, that would take a lifetime because it's, it's an, it's an insanely long journey. Or you can explore the tallest mountain, which will equally take just as long. But once you get to the top, you can see all eight mountains from there, you know? So it's basically a story that, uh dives deep into this sort of thought experiment i guess by by these two italian men and their brotherhood and the different lives they live because we have one we have one guy who decides in you know in his world to climb to the top of the mountain so he can see eight, all eight mountains but then we have another guy who goes to explore all eight mountains and you know this is all metaphorical you know, because I don't want to give any too many details about the movie, but in that way, um, it was just really powerful for me because it came out in a time in my life where I was really struggling with, you know, which mount, which direction in life should I take? Should I take? Should I go visit uh, the seven other mountains, or should I go to the mount, the eighth mountain, where I can just see the rest? You know, um, and I just feel like it's it was a very underseen film this year. But thank, thankfully, I got my, my professor. Shout out to Katie Walsh, one of the goats. She loved this movie just as much as me. So she's like the only other person who I know who's seen this movie. Um, I Highly recommend you guys check this out. One of the, one of my favorites of the year. Um, just wanted to shout that out. Sorry, little rant over. Um, go, go check it out. Um, okay, so. What is, is is there a film you guys are just like, oh, this film spoke to me, you know? Is is there a film that you just like, (laughs) if there was a film that would like capture 2023 for you, you know, as a new release, what would it be, you know? Chris, do you have a film like that where it's just like, what is your, what is your 2023 film? When you look at this year, what, what is it going to be? I
1: mean, it's probably going to end up being my, the only movie I gave five stars this year. Uh, which was past lives, and then um, okay. Oh. There's been some. There's been some some shit going around on Twitter where people are one ing on this movie. T- Twitter yeah.
2: Twitter says shit. All right, let's just
0: they they always do that. There. Twitter, it's... if
2: if there is something, Twitter That's will be true. talking shit about it. You know, even if it's a five out of five movie yeah. like Past
1: Lives. Okay. Uh. Okay, um, past lives. So, so, cook with it. So, anyone who doesn't know, past lives you know. is a Korean American kind of like hybrid story. Um, tells the story of a girl named Nora who, growing up, had this uh, best friend named hae Sung. Um, they grew up in Korea together, and then when she was a kid, she, had, uh, her, and her family immigrated to the U.S. And the movie kind of tracks th- these two people's relationship through three different. Moments in their lives where they meet each other. Once, you know, obviously, once when they were kids before she left to America. The second time when they're kind of more like young adults when uh, when he comes to visit, and then as full on adults when they're kind of I'm guessing in their mid to mid thirties I'd say uh, when he visits a second second and final time. Um, okay, so what really works about this movie for me is a lot of things. Uh, one of the biggest things for me though is that and uh ethan and i have had this conversation a billion times uh about how we like to see life kind of as this uh uh (laughs) kind of as this um ongoing endless series of interactions you where you meet people think of your life as like a line on a graph almost um and then throughout life as you know time goes on whatnot you're you will intersect with a bunch of different people whether that be people at school, uh, people on the street, the guy who serves you your burger in and out, anything. Any any little fleeting interactions. There's a bunch of those. You will probably not notice most of them. However, every now and then, you'll have these interactions with people who have, ha- who have fundamental uh, changes to you. Some of them are around for a long period of time, others not so much. What this movie does really well for me is that I feel like um, the film's director, uh, Celine Song, does such an incredible job of not only uh, immersing us into the, in- the intricacies of this phenomena, but also diving really deep into the emotional nuances. Um, you know, it's like, and the story, yeah, it's a love story. It's a story about of unrequited love. A person who, two people who have yes. these kind of shared feelings that they never really processed, and it was always just the wrong time. Things just never worked out in a certain way, and you know, blah blah blah. Uh, you know, they, it's all stuff that we're all familiar with, just as humans. You know, this is very normal, primal things that happen to humans all the time. Um, but what really elevates the film is how sensitively it's yeah. approached and how maturely it's approached. Because Nora, at one point in this movie, she has a husband, but this husband is not like the like going out and seeing this because you know that would be that's such a toxic way to think about life yeah because and very just like oh yeah of course he's jealous right yeah but no this movie does such a good job of approaching it with like a sensitivity of like you're not a whole person's life you are a part of someone's life and like by the end um I don't want to give away too much just because I, you know, this movie did not get the biggest release, so I'm sure there are pe- there might be people listening who have never seen it. There's a scene in the end that broke me. I went to go see this movie with Angelica, and when the movie ended, we... like Usually, Angelica and I will... Like, when a movie ends, we turn to each other and go, like, oh, blah, 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 you know, dead, silent. And the theater emptied, and we just sat there. And then, by the time the credits were done rolling, and the lights came on, we looked around, no one was there, and we just we both just stood up and hugged for like a good like minute because yeah this movie this movie also touched me in a very personal place because there have been relationships in my past where i have been through something like on some level similar to what nora goes through in this movie also there's also a great subtext theme about immigration in this film which is so sophisticatedly interwoven into the film and I guarantee you, most people did not pick up on it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, there, I have I could go on about this movie forever, but I, I'll spare you guys that. Uh, yeah, I, I have nothing but good things to say about this movie. I think it's beautifully directed. There's people who are like, it's so emotionally undercooked, and I'm like,
2: damn, I could hear that from downstairs. <laughs> Chris and I literally okay for those listening. Uh, whenever we record on Discord, Chris and I are like we're literally like there's only a, a ceiling between us. I literally live right below him now. Um, so he lives I, I'm in sure the sub basement. Yeah, I live in the basement, or does Chris live in my attic? That's a question for leave a comment below of what you think.
0: <laughs>
2: um, past lives. Um, Good one me. of the f- an incredible movie. One of the, one of two movies where I would say there was water in my eyes throughout the entire duration of the film. Um, Chris, I loved, oh my god, it was therapeutic to hear you say about, just like, this film, like, this film, this film, this film, this film teaches you that you are not someone's life. You are a part of someone's life, you know, um, when it comes to relationships. And um, it is, it, it, it is uh, an intense lesson to learn, I feel, for some people. And for some people who haven't gone through some certain situations, I feel like that's why they felt very emotionally um, distant with it. You know, um, I know we have we have mutuals yeah. who have who who said they got nothing from this movie. You know, and to that I respond: How lucky are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how lucky are you for you to see this relationship between these people and all the intric- intricacies of how they interact with each other? and again the resiliency that they feel because you can feel such intensity between these two characters that they have to bury down because you know uh, okay i um, oh, yeah. i think they're don't.
0: frankly unlucky they're maybe Here i guess is in their reason. own because what, yeah.
2: what is it to be alive than to experience such intensity like that right brandon i
0: i just think it's 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 to feel that emotion And to like not experience a bit of life like that is like a missing part that I think everybody needs to feel at some point, because I think a lot of people think life is cut and dry, super easy. And adulthood is learning that it's not, and that there's a lot more complexity to the way people think and feel
1: yeah physical emotion. and emotion emotionally yeah,
0: yeah you know big big time yeah right because it's like to look at it in a black and white unnuanced way is to neglect that the world is so massive and that us as a society is not uh able to comprehend the idea of yeah connection being like the way it is in this film so
2: but the way it talks about oh, what things will be like in another life, you know, that that's how the movie ends, like, maybe in the next life, you know, this, yeah. this concept of Inuo, right? That's what it's called, Inuo?
1: Inuo, yeah, it's like um, you're someone you're bound to, almost. Yeah. Bound to by Kanye West, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like in in its own way, this movie does <laughs> yeah. have like a similar thematic element as everything everywhere. I mean, but everything everywhere it takes it in a maximalist direction. Yeah. But this movie kinda of takes it in a more realist direction. It is kinda nihilistic kind of though. Oh absolutely, literally. yeah. It's like like what can we do? But, like, because but it's like make our peace, you know?
0: It's it's sad because I never want to watch a film where in essence the question is whether or not settling is a good thing yeah because it seems to be like that's what the the message or main conflict of the film is
1: yeah it's like the thing is is you
0: never know like the world is built on possibilities like the butterfly effect you know it's not like if one thing changes how does that change the rest of your life
1: yeah that's true yeah that's the thing that's so fascinating about this movie to me it's like the idea of you know in another life Things might have been different, and yeah. but you know it's but also at the same time, like you know throughout the film, right? Obviously, as an as an audience member, we are positioned to want them almost. We were we were with them on that heartache of like, yeah. oh, it'd be so nice, you know. But but we meet her husband, and, and he's a nice guy. He's he's, he's awesome, and they're great, and like and I'm also rooting for him, you know, yeah. and like you you don't. It's almost like I don't see. The circumstance or the characters as protagonists and antagonists. I just see them as people.
0: I, and it's not like she doesn't love her husband. Though. No. She my, 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 my my guy, the great. movie.
2: My favorite scene in the movie is when he starts to, like, question. He's like...
1: Uh, am I the bad guy in your story? Am I the
2: bad guy in the story? You know, when they're in bed together. And she's like, there's a, re-, she's like, there's a reason why I'm here. I'm choosing to be here with you in this bed.
0: You right, know? Yeah. It's a good. It's good.
2: And I feel like that just like that encapsulates healthy relationships where it's like Yeah. Each partner, they're choosing to be there. Because you don't and have to. You don't have to be there. And that is just well, I mean, you know, there there are very I know there are a lot of toxic relationships out there where there's a lot of you know, uh we just talked about Priscilla, you know. I feel like Priscilla <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. She didn't hey, realize until home. she did until pretty late on that she has the choice to be there or not, you know? Really? And we yeah. saw that tragedy play out, but then we saw a really healthy side in past lives where she's like, no, I am choosing to be here with you. You know?
1: Yeah.
2: And that just like oh, it's such it is such a roller coaster of emotions film, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. Crying
2: I you're agree. crying for different reasons in each scene. <laughs> you know? you're like yeah. oh this is so beautiful but this is also so sad you know um yeah that this was this was a very special film uh and i'm glad i i wanted to talk about this podcast because i've been brewing on it all year you know i saw it in june destroyed me and i've been thinking about it all year uh but i'm glad we got to talk about it um brandon yeah g- give us a film bro
0: what a uh anatomy of a fall, anatomy of I, fall. I, just, I hear you talking about it's Let just it get like one. let's get it it is tailored for
1: me it's yeah. no bro i'm not kidding opening scene with that dog going downstairs i was like brandon this is so like very coded for brandon yeah just the mystery coded. the courtroom, the intricacies the psychoanalysis it's all there
0: it's like when you watch a film i, I honestly like that first that first scene didn't capture me but it intrigued me you know
1: <laughs> you you well what's the what's that django quote again uh, uh you had my
0: <laughs> you had my curiosity, curiosity yeah but now you now have my attention right and and that's how it felt when i when i was watching anatomy of all it was like uh I, it felt like the more that was revealed and the more that the director and writer and performances are playing with what's going on and what's revealed in the story see i love it when not when a director makes themselves known stylistically, but when they are an active reason for the like for the conversation being had. So in in this movie, it's like the slow burn and unveiling of information, but the, also the very pre- precise and like meticulous choices made when it comes to sh- like showing that information. Yeah. Okay, if we're gonna show the opening scene, we're showing it from a certain perspective, right? and then when we're unveiled to the public what's happening we are in the public shoes we're not in their shoes personally yet right and and the way it switches between the them is like masterful and i i think often we get carried away with the term masterpiece especially in modern reviewing and critiquing like so often it's like oh they just throw that word around when something is the greatest of the filmmakers well done yeah if something's good it's it's, yeah but I think it absolutely nails like every choice it makes aesthetically in this movie to the point where it, it nails a subjectivity discussion much better than a movie Ethan, Joey, and I loved last year or the year before that, which was The Last Duel. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, so we have these characters and multiple views of a situation, much like in Rashomon, yeah. but as the viewer, we're supposed to determine what's real. But in actuality, that's not the point. No, it's, it's more so dissecting uh, us as humans and like our decision making and why we think of certain people as bad people, why we pick sides and identity and politics and all of that and psychology. And it's and it's wonderful. I, yeah. I you can pull so many different things from it. You can view it in so many different lenses or you could just have fun with the mystery, the and, mystery. And, yeah. and the ambiguity of who killed this person or who maybe just died on accident. Yeah, or maybe he committed suicide. There's so much that could happen, and so, in that, you it has infinite re, re plot, uh, replayability, which is something that I think is severely lacking for most cinema. So, true it speaks um, to me.
2: One thing you know, I thought this film was great. I thought The Last Duel was good, but the the reason why I think anatomy of a fall in terms of how it plays with subjectivity is so much greater than the last duel is oh man and it still pisses me off to this day that Ridley Scott he insisted upon a truth which throws all that narrative out of the trash all of that mm. theories of subjectivity gone down the drain where he explicitly says now here's the truth here's what actually happened that is not what you do. When you're making a film questioning uh when playing with theories of subjectivity and questioning reality itself, that is not what you do. That is the biggest red flag and even though The Last Duel, I feel like in every other way it's a fantastic film, he screwed the pooch in that one subject in that one it, it was literally in one title card and, and it lost me. on
0: And if if they were to do a director's cut or just a slight edit... If they clearly
2: did a director's cut and they just took out those words and just said, here's her side of the story, then I would be like, oh, incredible. You know, 9 (laughs) out of 10. But they didn't do that. Um, But Anatomy of the Fall, while I do think, oh, man, it is a dense film, you know, I have never watched a more intense court drama. Yeah, I feel they're, you know, you pretty dense, but I like it, it. No, of course. Like uh people have their own levels of like how they can keep up with uh things that are being said to you, you know. Whereas, you know, me as a guy who loves Rashomon, one of my favorite films ever. That is a very, that is a lot more of a visual um exploration of subjectivity where I feel like this one is more dictated, you know. And while the dictation is very Oh yes! Oh my God! Shout out to Tori, my favorite roommate, for bringing me Costco pizza. Tori, can you get on the mic and say what your favorite film of the year is right now? Oh God.
1: Um. You can name a few. A if A surprise you need to. hit
2: for Tori. Yeah. Oppenheimer. Oh. Oppenheimer.
1: Oh. Hey, we, we should talk about that soon. We'll, we'll get, to get to it. We'll okay. get to okay. it. Look we'll to Opie.
2: Okay. Well. Yeah. We all love For making it Tori's best movie of the year. Do you got a couple more? What do you want to shout out? No. And bon appetit up sheet. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tori. All right, I is that got a some, movie, or is I that... Got, is she yeah. telling you to I, well? It's pizza. It's Costco pizza. Um, all right, we'll talk about or, it. I feel like we'll talk about it,
1: yeah. it later. Um, um, for me, yeah. Anatomy of a Fall was like, you know, I feel like every year, and I've noticed this, I feel like every year, once a year, there is always a movie that comes around that you both see before me, and you are both huge, huge fans of. And oftentimes they are films. I mean, oftentimes they are foreign films, and oftentimes very dense material in there. Because yeah. oftentimes I don't seek out dense material because, uh, I, I guess I'm not as brainiac as you, Brandon. Uh, That's not necessarily but, um, true. Oh no, I, I don't tend. It, I don't tend <laughs> to go in for that kind of. Thing, <laughs> typically. No, All
2: I right. get it though. Like, you want to go out to the movies. You're not going out for to re, You know to read, to a, read a fucking textbook you know yeah, right but, but, Brad, Brad but and and we, we're, we're kind of freaky like that you know
0: yeah. we <laughs> don't uh, mind we don't mind watching the blue beetle from time to
1: time but what
2: <laughs> yeah that one was dense oh now, man that one was dense
1: yeah lots of attack with blue beetle anyway and i'm gonna fall um yeah so you know i i said to myself All right, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go, i'm gonna i literally remember i went to the amc burbank eight the one in the mall and I went to Sabaro for dinner, and I went. I took myself in and just pushed, plopped myself on that seat and said, "I'm yes. going to sit through this whole thing, and we're going to do it." Uh, man, first ten minutes, I was like, "Okay." Fifteen, I forgot all about. I forgot all about it. The movie just took me. And <laughs> man, this movie works. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've talked about. I might, I might talk to you guys privately about this. I mean, not on the podcast. Um, that like. You know, at first I was like, okay, so who are my suspects? Who's who do I think? You know, could it be the? Could it have actually been like a? You know, a suicide? Could it have been an accident? Was it really her? Was it the? I I even spent like a a minute thinking like, was it the dog? Um, but then, um, eventually I was like, this movie's not about really about this. Thing. Granted, yes, it's a central plot, if you will, but it's, it's not really the, the catalyst for yeah, everything. Yeah, it's what it's like it's almost like a it's like a plot mcguffin in in a way in a way if you will um but yeah you know the movie it's the complexities of like politics and the court and like how you know how truth is fabricated through what people believe rather than what actually happened and often and like dude there's a scene there's this scene in the movie right where it's revealed that the one of the character one of the I'll just I'll try to be vague, but one of the characters has been recording some stuff, some audio stuff. Mm. And then they they're playing it in the courtroom and then we cut into the scene that was recorded. It's an argument between the father character and the mother character. And might damn well be the most authentic argument. Yeah. Oh. uh. uh.
2: Uh-oh, Chris, Chris, we can't hear you. We
0: can't hear you. What happened? He was making such a good point, too. I know. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes of the year. God, uh-huh. I'll go talking with it until he gets his audio back up. Oh, great. Does this <laughs> oh never <laughs> Alright, He's back. He's here. Okay. Keep, we- like, we heard,
2: okay, we heard it's one of the best arguments. Or
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, by far one of the best. Last arguments. lives nails that too. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just so good. And like the like it's so like raw. You know what I mean? And like I love that it starts kind of like, you know, with there's like a hostility, but not like all the way yelling yet. And then it and then you feel it's so authentically builds to that climax. And I don't know, there's just so much at play. There's a tenderness to this film. There's like like a almost like an implied like kind of not really implied even just like suggested like feelings between the woman and her lawyer. And like, there's all this stuff that like plays into like crafting together these characters that feel so authentic. And by the end of the film, I could not care less how the actual thing happened. Cause I have so much other material to go off of in terms of the characterization and what it's saying about truth and reality. And also like the courtroom stuff. But also the actor the whichever actor played the the uh,
0: prosecutor.
1: Prosecutor in the red one, bald guy. Holy dude,
2: fuck. What a
1: dick. That <laughs> a little, little weez- he weezle. did such that's-
2: a good job playing like <laughs> one of the I just wanted to beat the shit out of that guy. But that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's happening he's Chris,
2: no, you're you're muted again. <laughs> What's going on?
0: I mean he's right though.
2: Yeah. It, it, for those listening, Chris is throwing his arms up everywhere. He looked really <laughs> bad. That, that yeah, guy was, was a dick. Still it was, can't it's, hear you. We hate isn't this it,
0: I think it's crazy that the character, right? No?
2: No, no I, I'll, I'll be shaking my head to Chris if we can hear him. Brandon, you keep okay.
0: talking. Okay, so I think it's insane that this character, right, uh is presented this way. And the evidence, when they show it's not even just how the scene takes place with what it shows of the argument and what you just hear from it, like the physical shuffle that they don't show, right? It's also that the way in which they delineate that information to you as a audience member. And like for example, it's it's really like compelling to see uh the 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 director uh, showcase that the main character has essentially been lying not only to the audience but to the people in the film yeah or vice versa and to just drop it so nonchalantly on us and it makes you recontextualize the rest of the movie right um but yeah i i love that movie i love that scene frankly uh, so
2: for me uh what turned this film around for me You know, I thought it was just going to be a whodunit, you know, just a simple whodunit um, until it came to the scene between the kid and the woman who, you know, was assigned by uh, the court to watch over the kid, you know, and the kid's telling her, he's like, what am I supposed to like, I don't know. I don't know what is true. You know, I don't, he, he, even he is unsure of what he experienced and he's really confused. And she tells him, pick the truth that makes the most sense to you.
0: Mm hmm. Oh, okay. There we go.
2: I, I hear you. Okay, let me finish my point, Chris, and then you can go back. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, and she says, pick the truth that is the most, that makes the most sense to you. And for me, I was just like, that's it that that's, that's what life. it is that's fucking that's what life truth is. that's that's what like you know that's why everybody fights about everything these days because we're all we're all raised in these in- insanely different backgrounds and when we're introduced to such complex situations in our world it's hard for us to d- decide what's true and what's not what's not especially in such a digitalized globalized society that people only choose the the truth that makes the most sense to them and of course like that truth is gonna seem like gobbledygook to other people you know um but that's just how it is and it's it is a it is a hard thing to like accept and i don't know what a solution to that would be besides like I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't even know, you know? But like this film just brings such an interesting conversation about that that um I just feel like everybody needs to see and just re reevaluate and after you see it reevaluate your own truths and reevaluate your own beliefs, you know? Like is this thing that I'm thinking is true because simply because that just makes the most sense to me and maybe do more research To make that truth change, you know?
0: It's like the, what is it? And I'm I'm shouting you out. Unconscious bias.
2: Yes. And I feel like that's happening a lot in Israel and Palestine. And I just, I gotta say right now, I feel like we didn't take a stance last episode. We did talk about Israel and Palestine last episode. Free Palestine, okay? Uh, Learn learn the correct truth. I know there's a lot of people who... um, Who stand with Israel and that truth makes sense to them because of what how they've been raised and I get it okay but open open yourself up do, do some reading look back on history okay and you'll see who's who's really uh, like the ones suffering here but again like that's just me just do your research okay <laughs> sorry and see that's what anat that's like the first thing that I thought of when I got out of anatomy of a fall. You know? I'm just like, this is what this is what's happening in our world right now. This it's an allegory for what's happening in our world right now. Because people can't decide what is the right thing to believe in right now. And it's creating a lot of tension and it's losing people jobs, which is scary. It is horrifying, you know? You know, I like...
0: Red Scare too.
2: Shit, I don't know. Maybe I won't be coming back to AGT after talking about that. I don't care, though. You know? Fuck it, we ball. If only ten people listen to Stacked is fine. I'll be okay. But... <laughs> <laughs> but if see, we that, blow up, there's... you lose your job. That's powerful <laughs> cinema right there. To get that sort of shit out of you. You know, so please, if yeah, you yeah. haven't seen Anatomy of Fall yet, please go check it out. Um... Okay. Bobby. Let me...
1: Oh Before wait,
2: we get to hobby, Let let me talk about my bread and butter of this year. Um
0: <laughs> I already know. You, are, you already know. No. Okay, I'm
2: g- okay, I don't want to talk about it, but is it's still my favorite film of the year? Um I just feel like it's probably to talk about. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is still my favorite film of the year just because uh, just because of sentimental reasons, okay? Um that, but that's not saying it's a bad film. I'm just saying it's a good film that just I will never forget because of the point in my life where I was at when I saw the film and what it was saying to me. Um, and I find it surprising that every time a Guardians of the Galaxy film comes out is always during a big turning point in my life, did it again, they back at it again, so that's why it's my favorite film of the year. But, if I were to pick a true best of the year, oh my god, holy shit, Godzilla minus one, um.
0: <laughs> it's so insane. It, it. I,
2: I don't even know where to begin with that film. Um, just because I am in just pure disbelief that it is a Godzilla film to begin with. And, but it is also an intense post-war character drama about dealing with guilt and, uh...
0: PTSD. And
2: PTSD and talking about what Japan did during the war. It's weird that, like, a Godzilla film, a film that represents, um... You know, God when he was first created, he was the embodiment of how, the nuclear weapon. Of the nuclear weapon and how Japan was victimized in the war, you know, and hundred percent. Godzilla the first Godzilla is still one of my favorite films because of the allegory and because of the atrocities that we the United States committed against Japan, you know. Um, but this new film acknowledges that allegory. And further expands upon it, because world because Japan's role in World War II is very complex. I was talking about this with Chris when I first saw the film. Because Chris asked me, he's like, Hey, Ethan, does the U.S. teach about what Japan did in World War II before they got nuked? And I was like, no, they do not. But thankfully, I feel like Godzilla Minus One is able, able to capture an allegory that talks about the the atrocities that Japan also caused while also capturing the atrocities that they faced. And just the atrocity that is war itself. You know? Um, it is It is a character drama first, a Godzilla movie second, which blew my mind, but that doesn't make it any less of a spectacle in terms of you know... Uh, It being a disaster movie, you know, it is a physical disaster movie as much as it is an emotional disaster movie um, where it follows these Japanese characters post-World War II, accepting, not accepting, struggling with the turmoil of their actions in the war and how their government put morals over people, you know, And how that created a guilt within themselves, and what they have to do to end the war that they have internally. And that is brought up by a giant atomic lizard attacking the country, you know? And it's still amazing to watch this, you know, this behemoth destroy buildings and stuff, but now there is so much added emotional value that when Godzilla ever comes to Japan to stomp on shit and knock over buildings, that you actually feel devastated. Which is something that I haven't felt since the first 1954 original. And it blew me away. I This is the second film this year where I was in tears at, in some level or form throughout its entire runtime. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, I'm just so grateful that this exists because this is what godzilla was created to be and while i enjoy listen i'm gonna be there day one for godzilla versus kong okay godzilla x kong it looks stupid as hell okay
0: that monkey shot in the trailer is
2: you mean you mean dewey from fucking malcolm in the middle
0: (laughs) yeah that's
2: exactly what it looks like um (laughs) it looks dumb as hell (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna be there day one, just because I love Godzilla and my boys. I love the range that this character has become, where it can be something like minus one, which actually gives substance behind the destruction, or it can just be pure fun. Like, I don't know, Godzilla versus Gigan, Godzilla versus Megalon. You know, we're sort of back to that sort of era, but we also have, at the same time, the shit that made Godzilla such an icon to begin with.
0: Shin Godzilla, and now and this.
2: Shin Godzilla as well. I would say Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, All Out Monsters, Attack. Uh, I think that's the full title. That title's like four sentences long. That one's also a good film in, ter- in terms of like the substance of Godzilla and what Godzilla represents. But yes, like Shin Godzilla, like the original, Godzilla minus one. Um, honestly, another big surprise for me because I knew a Godzilla film was coming out towards the end of the year. But I was like... You know, I I was like, yeah, it's just gonna be a Godzilla movie, and I'm gonna have fun watching it because I love the guy. You know, but this was like, wow, okay, um, this could be best picture. <laughs>
0: um, maybe, maybe it, it has the RRR potential, not because of not because it being it just like because it's foreign. Yeah, not because it's foreign, and not because it's fun, but because uh, it it has substance to it. You know. Yeah. I, I'm sitting there and I'm not necessarily uninitiated with Godzilla. I've seen nine of his films. You've seen a, a good mixture. few, you know.
2: Yeah, I've, I've seen nine I, is solid. Nine is for Godzilla. There's forty Godzilla films. I feel like nine is solid.
0: Yeah, so I've I've seen a breadth. You know, I've seen yeah. I I haven't seen the 1998 one and I haven't seen a lot of the 80s ones, but I've seen some of the 60s and 50s ones that Ethan showed me, Final Wars, and then the (laughs) modern stuff. Right. And uh, frankly, I was stunned by this film. I saw this, everybody who knows Ethan and I, uh, we used to live. Well, I still live, but he used to live in our apartments, which are next to the Norwalk, near didn't the Norwalk. See Norwalk. You saw this at the Norwalk, and and, and I saw it at the Norwalk, and they didn't even play it on Dolby or an IMAX there. They played it on the smallest screen. Yeah. Uh It was like probably like fifty seats in the house, and every single one of them was filled on a two thirty in the afternoon no way. matinee showing of this movie, and uh, or twelve twenty. But still, that's crazy. On right. a on a Sunday afternoon, everybody was seeing a Godzilla movie. You look in the audience, you see people from all different walks of life, and that's already a plus. People are cheering during the Nicole Kidman intro at this theater. What? Mm-hmm. And
2: Yeah, at this point in time, nobody does that yeah.
0: anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah,
1: even in, even in LA, not many people do that anymore.
0: And and I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, maybe when this movie hits, or maybe if it doesn't, you know, we'll see. But we're I'm sitting there and I'm getting chills, like, and I'm and it's not even just chills that, and, and it's the 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 sound even was crazy in this oh. theater. Like the 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 presentation is not great at the theater I go to, right? Often, because it's basically just because it's proximity and it plays a lot of the. Uh, newer releases. I'm just gonna say, yeah, but
2: I get it. It's the closest one, you know. So yeah,
0: and so I went, and it was the it it had probably the best thing I've ever seen out of a theater there, not in terms of like in terms of the quality, and that just goes to show you the power of this movie. I got goosebumps, uh, throughout, and not just at like the moments where Godzilla is wreaking havoc, no, but just like character moments. And it's so super strange because often in Godzilla movies we're, we're left cold by the characters because yeah. they're empty cannon fodder and they're just small pieces in the goal to stop the creature or stop the bigger creature at play. Yeah, and there's nothing to do with themes. Maybe a little bit of touching on the, like the nuclear or their association. Here for commentary. For just right. commentating
2: on what Godzilla's doing, because Godzilla can't yeah. talk, you know exactly.
0: <laughs> and it's not only that; it's just a clever, very clever film, and how it like defeating him, but also the idea of not being able to because he is a god. Like this is the only movie I've ever watched where I'm like, it's like a god being. In Even other more movies, than it's just shi-
2: Godzilla. Yeah, I feel the yeah. like like same because I feel like Shin You're- Godzilla. I'm like, this is a deity.
0: No, I I feel like in that movie, he's more, he is less than a god, but more than a monster. Whereas in all of the other ones I've seen him in, it's like, oh, it's just a giant monster. That is an allegory. And then when it comes to this one, I'm like, this is like an ancient being. This is the first time I've ever thought that. Yeah. And I know that's the point. It's just, it's never reached out to me, but that is, it's like the missing link in terms of humanity. But like... A god-like creature and it's like a myth and it's proper and the goosebumps you feel during there's a scene in ginza in this movie right. that shook me to my core all the character stuff there but also all the destruction was like i sat there and i was shell shocked. so 40x here i come
2: 40x you madman um chris I yes
1: i take, do have some things i like, cannot
2: yes please talk about it, but i'm just gonna say i cannot take you to, i cannot wait to take you to this on wednesday and joey's yeah. coming too. No, yeah he I'm, says he wants to go so exciting
1: um yeah you know um i don't i don't even know how to begin talking about this because for me um i, I was intrepid to to go into this movie um when i first like heard that this was coming um well, let me first say, uh I've heard all the raving views especially from you guys too. Um so, you know, on that merit I, I'm interested. Um but I did have some level of hesitation um to go seek out this movie because not even because like Godzilla, because of Godzilla or anything. I think Godzilla's awesome. I I've only seen a handful of their of his movies, but I mean, I've liked a good number of them and I've always enjoyed myself, which is great. Yeah. Um but the thing that kind of made me a little like i don't know if godzilla minus one is what i'm is you know what i'm like for example even wednesday is my last is effectively my last day with you guys i was like is that how i want to spend my my last day but um yeah and what what kind of made me feel a little like oh do i really want to is there is and this is a this is a big discourse going on in japan uh, mm-hmm. About whether or not this movie, and I've I've seen perspectives on it from all different sides. So I don't I don't I've don't, I don't seen myself, so I can't weigh in really. But I've heard some people say like being concerned because uh, some people have called Takashi Tika- Yamazaki. Am I pronouncing this correctly? Takashi
2: Yamazaki, the director. Takashi
1: Yamazaki. Yeah. yeah. Some people have described his work as being quite nationalistic leaning, and as someone whose family was directly affected by shit that happened in, with Japan in World War II, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of of, like, over-leaning into, like, uh, Japanese victimization. But although, granted, I'm very much against atomic bombs. I think that's obvious. Um, But, yeah, you know, I've heard, like, some people be, like, say, like, oh, this movie and this director, they they lean towards, like, the Japanese right-wing nationalistic side, which is a rising force in Japan right now. Um, And also, like, you know, whenever, every now and then when I see, like, it's it's complicated because, and this kind of ties into *Anatomy of Fall*, where it's like perspective, right? Because, like Japan never had to take accountability, never had to take too a huge amount of accountability for the shit that they pulled in Asia at the time. They, there was no Nuremberg t- trials for Japan.
2: I and I feel like pe- the world saw like, the world saw their Nuremberg as the bomb dropping. You know exactly. Where and, I feel and like so there needed like- there needed to be a greater discussion.
1: You know, yeah, and like that, and mind you, stuff regarding like what Japan did to China, Nanking. I don't even need to get into that. Philippines, Singapore, all the way down Southeast Asia, that isn't not addressed period in Japanese education at yeah. all, not even a little. And so, you know, for me, I'm like, okay, I'm not cool with that. but, I've also heard that this movie doesn't really, and from you, Ethan, like I've heard from you, and I've even read some stuff online that they 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 mention it and they do like they it's part of the story of them reconciling what they did and what happened to them and what they're facing now with Godzilla and how that ties kind of everything together. Yeah, my curiosity is through the roof now because now there's like forces outside of the film itself that I find really fascinating to grapple with. Um, so now I'm very curious uh, and we shall it's, see you on Wednesday it's
2: tough because like the main character of the film is a kamikaze pilot this isn't a spoiler it's a kamikaze, it's a kamikaze yeah. pilot who is too afraid to kill himself you know uh-huh. and so the ba- I, I feel like that is the baseline of like what did this country actually think of human life you know where it put ideals over human life. And I feel like that is conveyed through what they did in the Philippines and what they did in China, you know, and what yeah. they did to their own citizens to serve, to push these ideals, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm going to warn you. I'm like, it is very, um, I feel like the conversation is a bit more towards, um, this government took advantage of us, you know, mm. of the Japanese people. And, they have to, and so conflicts are resolved through private citizens. It is very anti government, which I love. You know, that's it good. Um, it's
0: crazy. I, it's it takes crazy such a government. unique approach to the world, which is something you during don't that see era.
2: in Japanese Godzilla films. It's always the government. The government, they got our backs. You know, we the military, they'll figure out something to destroy Godzilla. But it's like, no, these are private citizens. We can't trust the government, so we're going to take care of this threat on our own, you know? And yeah. I, I can't wait for you to see it, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's
1: interesting. Okay. Oh, that leads us really well into... Honestly, into- this oh, would no. be a the fantastic...
2: This would be a fantastic double feature. Um, of watching Oppenheimer first then Godzilla minus one second okay let's talk about Oppenheimer and then I feel like we're we're an hour and a half in the show uh,
0: yeah we're, we're having out. a good discussion I we're think we're having a good discussion this week, yeah people so. it's a it's a yeah. big
2: year it's a big discussion so I feel like people won't mind um, but I, this is like this is another poster child of 2023
1: cinema, I feel yeah Oppenheimer's huge Oppenheimer well.
2: Oppenheimer and Barbie they're the king and queen of 2023 can we all just accept yep. that they're the king, king. Uh, barbenheimer
1: yeah Art. i'll yes. give it i'll give that to they them.
2: define the year um and we can talk about barbie too because i love that movie but it's
0: good it's not um, better than that
2: i i feel like i have now come to the point where i i do accept Oppenheimer as a better film i changed it in my ranking i put it above barbie um but that's not to say that barbie isn't an amazing film because um i love Oh yeah that's okay i love uh, okay um, I love what it has to say about um, gender politics and um, how we uh, sort of have to respect each other, you know, in on on both sides. You know, it's it, it's very uh, you know, it, 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 of course it's a very women focused film, you know, about all the shit that women have to go through. I mean, uh, America Ferrera's monologue in Barbie, I'll never forget that of just like. All the shit that I have to go through, you know? Um, And just having that message underlined with a really fun and bombastic film with amazing characters like Barbie, like Ken, my boy. You know, that song, I hope it wins the best original song. But we love Barbie here, but we want to talk about Oppenheimer.
1: Brandon, Brandon, stop licking your 4K He's licking his 4K.
2: Do you want to... Just so you can stop licking it, just talk about Oppenheimer for a second.
0: Well, like... Again, I, I'm not the biggest Nolan fan, you know? Yeah. Uh, I like his movies. I'm not a hater or anything, but I, I don't hold him to the God standard. as I'm sure there's a lot of people who are, like, very interested in getting – and I'm I'm not against them. I just think they get lumped in the same category together. Zack Snyder and uh, Christopher Nolan as, like, these gateways for action movie f- fans. But yeah, I think Nolan's so. – yeah yeah but nolan is so much more subtle uh some well sometimes he is with his work and i think he has more variety than somebody like Zack snyder no no offense to either of them i don't think either of them is particularly bad but nolan really blew me away here to literally yeah, yeah literally uh i've only seen this film once so far um and it i saw it opening night with barbie it was like an IMAX theater mm-hmm. packed house and it just i i can't i i cannot forget anything in that movie yeah. that's a good way right. like i it's like it, really it makes you it's like in clockwork horns when they're showing uh, alex the the video of like all these atrocities happening to make him sick and this film has like a way of doing it because you're you're not seeing it from like the the most penned perspective. Because World War II is one of the most storied areas of U.S. history. History alone, that it seems like everything at this point has been covered. You know. Oh, right. did you guys freeze? Okay, no, no, we're, we're, okay. Yeah. we're okay. Sorry, okay, okay. just, I'm just looking at sure. my notes. I don't um. And then with Oppenheimer, you you get this, like, behind-the-scenes approach where you see, like, the ugly side of it all in the international approach. Like, one, it's a race against the clock to finish this weapon before anybody else. But it's also the moral questions that go into, like, worldview, celebrity, um, becoming, in essence, a god, humanity playing god. I mean, that's the whole... That's the hook of the movie uh, yeah. based on his quote and American Prometheus. Yeah. Um, but it, it nails that. And it, as a historical drama, it moves. I, I know, Ethan, that was your big complaint with the movie uh, was the pacing. But originally. for me, I, originally. Because then I saw well, it a second
2: time. And once I was like, I knew what was going on, it clicked. You know, yeah. I was locked in the whole movie.
0: Right. It's like, it for me, it's like you're stuck in this situation where you have to do it not because you want to do it not because the filmmakers want to make it a fast-paced film but because there is just so much information there are so many characters blink and you'll miss it cameos of like it's like <laughs> a it's like one of those 1960s ensemble pieces like how the west was won or something like that <laughs> where like they'll just have like a scene with somebody like casey affleck or yeah somebody and they'll steal the show and yeah. and that's it's classic in that in that way, and what it's saying is just great. I mean, that last scene, woof. I think, yeah, I, I mean, think woof. It, woof. it may not be my favorite movie of the year, but that has my contention for my favorite scene. I think it's number three on my yeah. rankings, oh, but man. three and yeah. two, it goes back and forth. So,
1: yeah, yeah, right, right now for me, Oppenheimer is number two, and it's it's a very like Don't like, like the difference between. Like my one and two this year, like I've, I think if I rewatch Oppenheimer and I love it as much as I did, it might bump to a five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, this this movie it captures so much about this character, in the sense of like not only like like on like a personal scale and like his kind of moral journey, let's call it that, mm-hmm. odyssey of like being someone who initially, right? You you know, as a as a scientist, he's probably in the shoes of, like, fight to create something that can help end the war and save lives. But then the impl- the larger implications when he realizes, when he starts to grapple with what he has done, um, that's really well done. And I think the movie does such a good job of condemning him for it, you know? Because at first, you know, like, when he when the bomb works, like, you know, you have that shot of him taking off his hat and the American flag is flying and all that. And like, then it's almost follows? Like, like, oh, and it's like the oh most my devastating God.
2: scene of this year.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. The the fun fact, the um in the scene where um he's in that room and the people are stomping and all that, and then um the quote unquote bomb goes off in that room. The woman. the proverbial bomb, the woman whose face is peeling, it's that's his daughter. that's Nolan's daughter. Yeah. Um and now yeah. and apparently that was just a touch he threw in as like a little personal like thing for him as a director, as like realizing it his nightmare version of it um yeah and you know it's a great it's also a great political thriller the mccarthyism aspect of this film is great um i love the intertext between um his love of his love affair with florence Pugh's character and like uh, there's my favorite scene in the movie maybe just second to the closing scene of the film is when emily blunt's character um, confronts him in the forest when he's having a panic attack after he finds out that spoiler alert Florence Pugh's character had died. Yeah, and she tells him, I'm paraphrasing here, but she tells him like, uh your, um, your your feelings won't justify your action, and pe- no, people will not forgive you for your for your feelings because of your action." If that yeah. something something like that. No, I love enough. that intertext between the bomb and that because. Largely speaking, they're basically the same thing, just prompted to a physical scale versus an emotional scale.
2: Yeah.
1: Um and yeah, it's just like there's so much weight behind this movie. You really feel the implications behind everything that Oppenheimer did, you know, and like it resonates today. All of the stuff, you know, we're still grappling with it. And like I mean, knock on wood. We don't have to grapple with it physically. Uh, but you know, this guy he he made it possible that we have to one day um we'll see. and you know just 5 years from now
2: we'll like, see
1: yeah just all the little like symbolism throughout the film like the water dropping on the on the water like the droplets of you know it, it spreads and like the visions of all that stuff also all of that like the physics stuff you know where um like do you remember towards the opening of the film i think um he's laying in bed and they have the, 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 the thing
2: I literally have Spotify open and I'm listening to that song on repeat as we're talking about this film right now. But can you hear the <laughs> really? music
1: track? Yeah, it's yeah, and you have oh like those God. lights like like flickering and that's vibrating. That's practical. Like that. Yes, that's practical on camera. They did just a bunch of crazy shit with like filters oh and and lights and like glass and prisms. And it won't get a best
0: visual effects nomination, yes. even though it's a practical is, effects or visual effects. I, and why effects is, are visual effects
2: effects why is spider verse getting a visual effects i've never seen an animated film get a visual effects nomination
0: unless unless it's like a 3d not 3d like a stop motion film this is i don't know about
1: that like this is so why weird. i'm i'm a big i'm a big supporter of the idea of the academy adding a a special effects special category effects
2: versus visual effects yes, yeah but there's the, the-
1: should be I know that they are essentially functioned to do the same thing, right. but because they are separate disciplines, you. Sh- I feel like we should, because in the same way, you know, like production design and cinematography also go hand in hand.
2: It's a different then process. They should... It's such a different then process. I'm not. I, I'm not I, saying I... one's harder than the other. It's just right. it's a different process to create. They won't create add an award. A uh, computer generated effect. You know.
0: See. They won't add an award like that because they are they already combined the sound awards. So if they ever did that's that, cool. they would just alter it to be best visual or sound best special graphics.
2: effects.
1: <laughs> best, best graphics, that'd good be great. Graphics.
2: Good <laughs> graphics, good
1: gameplay. Also, there should, good. Uh, while we're on it, I also think they should add either something in, in lieu of like a stunt slash choreography award. Because that's yeah. a separate thing as well. I'm I guess pretty you sure First
0: and- Man got snubbed for a similar reason.
2: First Man got nah. won the award for visual effects. Did it? Yeah, it did. I remember it beat
1: out uh, something big that year. It,
2: it beat out Infinity War, which I thought was that's crazy amazing because, it, like, that movie made Thanos a real person, and I was like, that should win because <laughs> I like I never believed Thanos was like not a not like a real you know. But then First Man won, and I was like, okay, that's fine. Okay, Oppenheimer, fantastic film. Do you think it's gonna win Best Picture?
0: Yes.
1: If I had to put money on it, I would say this. One. I but think so, I, too, it, and
2: I would be 100% okay with
0: it. See, but here's the problem with that. It's hard, because at this point during the year, there's always one movie that is running away with all the awards. Yeah. Yep. Killers what do you, what do you think that movie
2: is right now? Killers of the Flower Moon?
0: Yeah. And yeah. I think Oppenheimer's is a sneaky. It's and, just, I've never met a single person who at least is in love with the film medium who's hated that movie. Yeah. The, there's I, only I one met, person yeah. i've met in general who's disliked that movie in the general public and they were like it was just too slow and boring they're not the demographic
1: uh, right? so, <laughs> is, is the person you met logan paul no <laughs> <laughs> yeah he oh, didn't but... <laughs> nope. fuck that <I> guy
2: <laughs> um okay we're at an hour and 40 here what i would like to do to wrap up the show does everybody have their best of the year list open right now
0: i do yes let's run uh, down. Let let,
2: let's just run down our top 10 shall we
0: all right. Can I give one honorable mention? Because it's it, it would you be get, my top ten. You yeah. get
2: three honorable mentions.
1: So we'll list 13 films. 30 you get honorable deal.
2: mentions. Chris, you start with your
1: okay. three honorable top mentions 10.
2: and then your top ten.
1: Okay, And go <laughs> working up to one or starting? Let's work
2: up, up to one, yeah.
1: So okay. start from your so honorable my album, mentions and work up to one. All right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 10. Okay, my honorable nice. mentions this year are going to be Napoleon. Okay. Bo is Afraid. Okay and Joaquin. uh let's go He's with boy. Killer, killer of the flower moon perfect oh wait okay wait uh actually uh <laughs> f- actually uh fuck fuck napoleon uh i'm gonna oh. throw in suzume if we're going if we're going okay. all right
2: yeah
1: I'll throw don't mind suzume that because that movie's movie. fantastic uh, okay my top 10 in ascending order so uh 10, ten to, to 1, one is yeah. the holdovers oh TH mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem yes are you there god it's me margaret the the one movie that only I have seen this year that you two have not, A <laughs> Thousand and One. Um, oh next, John Wick Four. Right. Yeah. Next, this movie might change, but Spider Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. I just like the vibe. Uh, Mission Impossible. Priscilla. Yep. Oppenheimer. Past lives.
2: That's my list. Okay, Brandon.
0: All right, honorable mentions. The creator.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. Sc- Scream 6.
2: Oh.
0: Uh nice. and the holdovers. Oh. Nice. Bummer that it didn't make the top 10. Uh number 10, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mutant yeah. Mutant. yeah. I'm movie. not a fan of those guys and I love that movie. Uh 9. Are you God? That's there me uh, Are you there God It's me Margaret? <laughs> <Are> you God? Hey <laughs> God, uh who are you? Are you Margaret? That's what it's called.
2: 8 right.
0: Susan hey, May are you Margaret? <laughs> Susan May is amazing. Seven, yeah. Bo is afraid. Six, Godzilla minus one. Oh. Five, John Wick four. Uh, four inside. Three, Oppenheimer. Two, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. And one, Anatomy of the Fall. I'm sorry. I know. Do you I, want it's to talk about for
2: just a second? Because it, it's a really good movie.
0: I. It's. It's just. It's inspired by screwball comedies of the '40s. And has some of the best practical action you'll see all year. And yes, the VFX in the third act are a bit glaring, um, comparatively to the rest of the movie. Uh so it it does take you out a little bit, but for the rest it's the great part one because it functions as its own movie.
2: Best use of AI as well. Oh my god. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh my god.
2: I mean, so AI is that. a threat. i've never been more scared of ai than in
1: mission also the fact that that movie came out in the wake of the wga and sag strikes that that really elevated the film's commentary on ai
0: that and the creator and i know it's not going to hit for everyone and it has a very optimistic message for ai it's like the anti-animatrix um i i just think it deserves at least credit for world building even if the writing is pretty bad at points
2: and just how it was made with that budget
1: Right, crazy. Uh,
2: For listeners, that's a water heater. I live right next to it, and it sounds like a steamboat is driving by my house right now.
1: Yeah. Quick side side note. Uh, I just Googled it. Godzilla Minus One was made for $15 million.
2: Okay, but also one thing you have to acknowledge with that, uh, I know Mm -hmm. everyone's been toting that around. For the amount of, like, uh, how mistreated visual effects artists are in the U.S., it's it's laid on tenfold in Japan, I've heard. So Same that, for India. Yeah, so that fifteen million dollars, like people are getting hella abused uh, in terms of post production on that movie. So like, I can
0: imagine
2: that's just something you have to like. Because people, it's like, still well, impressive. Can't, why can't it's it's impressive as hell? Absolutely, for fifteen million dollars, like it should. It looks like a hundred million dollar movie.
0: It looks know? more than that. It looks, it looks like, like more than that. Million.
2: But, yeah. Uh, yeah, the working conditions I've heard were worse than the horror stories they've heard in the U.S., you know? But it's just not reported on because it's a different country, you know? So when people ask for why can't these movies look like $15 million, I'm like, don't you want the visual effects artist to, like, be able to live, like,
1: uh, satisfied hey, lives? And yeah, have a family? So
2: that's something you, gotta, you also got to think about. Um, okay, let me do my list. So wow. my honorable mentions – uh, dream scenario, loved that film. Uh, felt like Kaufman plus Ari Aster, what like what a combo! It was great. Uh, Barbie, of course, loved Barbie to death. Um, one that no, is nowhere near anybody's top of the year lists, but you know me, I can't not shout it out. Ant Man the Wasp Quantum I don't. That movie nope. was. That movie was made for me. All right. Whatever. I. I know. I know everyone thinks it's schlock and everyone hates it. That's fine. I didn't I don't, hate it. I, I don't liked know, it. but most people hate it. But you know, it's comforting it's to me because I love that guy. Um, okay. So, you like
0: Jonathan Majors? Uh,
2: no. But he did a good performance. He was pretty good. King, <laughs> all right. If that shit didn't happen, people would be talking about King as one of the best MCU villains. Just saying. Okay. Oppenheimer number ten. Priscilla, number nine. Number eight. Goddamn, I'm sad I didn't talk about this movie, but Chris couldn't give less of a shit. Asteroid City.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good, Chris.
2: <laughs> a thumbs up. Give ice. it yeah, a chance. I don't give a fuck about Wes Anderson.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Ethan, the Blu-ray of it, beautiful transfer. Oh my god! I
2: almost bought it the other day, but I'm like, sh- is there going to be a criterion for it? Cause I would have rather there have been it of his criterion. past
0: three films?
2: Yeah, yeah, that might be a decision I have to make soon. We'll see. After the, after the new year, I'll probably make that call. Okay, number six, John Wick 3, the most insane, outstanding John Wick 3? F- four, sorry. It's John Wick 4, uh, chapter four. Holy shit. Um, action. The action genre was changed after I saw the film. Number five, my ultimate comfort film of the year. This is my, uh, no, my second ultimate comfort film that I understand why people won't put it on their list. The Super Mario Brothers movie, okay? <laughs> just as someone who grew up playing all the mario games that was just like it was a dream come true to see that film okay uh number four past lives cried the whole time number three the holdovers we talked about it in the last episode so if you want to go back go back to our after hours we talk all about the holdovers there um incredible film that was my ultimate comfort film now number one and two it really depends on what how I feel next Wednesday, because it could be number one. But number two right now is Godzilla minus one. It could be number one. We'll see. Um, and then number one is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I love that group of weirdos. They mean the world to me. So to have just the one of the most satisfying conclusions for that group meant everything to me. And that's why it's my number one film of the year.
0: Killer ending, too. Killer, killer yeah. ending.
2: Um, and maybe just an en- ending to the MCU. <laughs> we'll see. Unfortunately. you know if it, if like yeah. if that's the last good mcu movie i'll be okay with that you know you know what i mean i'm just like hey that's where it ended that's fine it was i'll watch all the way up until endgame and then i'll watch guardians of the galaxy volume 3 and i'll be good you know that's hey, like the epilogue that's a, to it
0: see i that's a more proper epilogue to me than uh no way home or yeah. far from home which people say but are either epilogues too.
2: but yeah um okay so that does it for our big uh, end of the year episode is Stacked uh, please 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 leave down in the comments below what your favorite films of the year were I love looking at everybody's lists and what yep. they thought were their favorites uh, subjectivity is my favorite what you thought if it's completely different from mine all the better I love looking at all that stuff something loud is happening in the kitchen right now I'm so sorry uh, we got a loud roommate I'm going to shout him out <laughs>
0: Chris
1: knows who it is. <laughs> I know exactly who you are.
2: Brandon, is I, bet like you can, I bet you can... Brandon,
1: Brandon, Brandon, t- Brandon, guess who it is. Guess who it is. Who's a who's loud fuck in the, in the fucking kitchen? I would say it's Justin.
2: Mm, no, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Jerry? Right. Way off. <laughs> Way off. And he knows it too, but
2: that's fine. Uh, yeah. We live with it. Anyways, okay, so thank you all for listening to this. Um, we're gonna go on another break just because it's the holidays, you know. So this is gonna come out um, the seventeenth, I believe. Um, then we're gonna have a little break because you know we're all gonna go celebrate the holidays that. with our families, and then we'll be back. Our next episode, we're gonna be talking about um, what twenty twenty four is gonna be looking like for us. I'm just gonna write that down, like yeah. what that, what that things movies, to look forward. To. The things that we're gonna be looking forward to the most. I can't wait to talk about that. Next that's
1: episode. gonna be fun so, yeah next year's looking nice
2: yeah so listeners get ready your list too get ready to enjoy the conversation in the comments for that so um yeah uh happy new year you know happy end of the year we did it we we survived 2023, 2023. another year survived um glad we can finally be back to celebrate it on stacked you know so see you guys in the new year thanks you all so much for listening and we'll catch you next time on stacked
1: bye bye bye. Bye bye. You,
0: you guys feel that earthquake?
1: No,
2: what? <laughs> <laughs>